Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley. Back for round 11 TLT for Supercoach. And, geez, it was a pretty magic round of footy, but wasn't really much of a magic round of Supercoach, unfortunately. So a lot of low scoring wasn't the best. Uh, for me personally, it was like the worst round ever, but I think a lot of people were in that boat, so I can't complain too much. A few things that didn't work out for magic round. One being turbo, obviously, didn't work at all. But we'll get into that a little bit more later. Uh, and then, obviously, Burbo, who a lot of people got, including me, who hasn't worked out for this TLT either very well. So, going to get stuck into it. But uh, for this episode, and certainly for those who haven't listened to the All-Stars podcast before, normally have some great guests on, but occasionally I do a solo podcast, and this is going to be one of those occasions. I'm going to be going solo, just a few scheduling conflicts, and I, uh, I'm a bit busy at the moment, so I need to do a reasonably quick TLT, but I do have a two-parter this week with a, a very well-loved guest for the Talking Footy episode. So this one, as people know that listen to this podcast regularly, is a TLT Supercoach episode, which drops on a Wednesday. Uh, the next episode drops on Friday, and that'll be... The Talking Footy episode this week, we're going to have two parts to it. It's going to be an extra long one because we missed out on the Talking Footy last week. So, super coach tonight, Talking Footy at the end of the week. How good. Let's get into it. Magic round analysis for super coach. Uh, look, already mentioned it wasn't great, but when we're running the comb over the numbers, look, it's the worst as far as high scoring that we've had for oh, a couple months maybe. So we had 700-plus scores, which is pretty low. Uh, out of those 700-plus scores, uh, only three of them weren't pods. And one of those three was Mitchell Moses, who is barely not a pod at 11.1%. So really, only two really heavily owned guys got the tons this week. And that was Isaiah Papali'i, who is owned by 46% of coaches and scored 113 points. 113 points as a top score for a round isn't fantastic. So... Certainly, you can see there as a top scorer why it was a low-scoring round. Aside from him, Targo was the other guy that was heavily owned, almost 60% ownership for Targo. Big thing with him, though, is that a lot of people would have benched him. So it doesn't actually look as... <laughs> and it looks even worse than what we were saying as far as how many pods actually scored well. Uh, Ryan Madison, second-best score, 1.6%. Massive pod. Fifth-best score, 104 points from Tarn Milne. 0.4% ownership, only 544 coaches owned Milne for the fifth best score last round. So a bit of chaos in the scoring. Uh, when we're looking at the 80-plus scores for Magic Round, it actually looks uh, okay. Uh, we've generally been around that sort of uh, 25 to 30 mark in the 80-plus the scoring each round, and we had 29 80-plus scores. So on the surface, that seems like, oh, okay, well, we didn't have any, any big scores. We didn't have very many tons. But at least we had a lot of, you know, those 80-plus bigger scores that were in there still that are better than average. Not really. So when you dig a bit deeper, a lot of those scores as well were absolute pods. So many guys that are 1% and under in there. Uh, and only 8 out of the 29 scorers were actually 10% plus, as in non-pods. So not a great round of super coach overall. Um, as far as uh, my round, I already mentioned, didn't go very well. Um, when we're talking about strategies, you know, I'll, I'll 
Before we go into the actual TLT, we normally have a bit of a strategy chat around this when we look at the scoring for the round. The strategy chat for this one is just going to be a five-minute talk about what do you do if your season looks like it's over, okay? Because my one's fluctuated immensely. I started started very well uh, the first sort of five weeks especially, and then it's kind of yo-yoed a lot after that. Um, but one of the good takeaways is, you know, and I said this, I think, last week or the week before, you know, I had a massive drop on the weekend uh, and you know, I had a massive gain the week before and, and two weeks ago I had another massive drop. When you're seeing those massive drops, it should tell you how quickly things can swing around. You know, you can very easily make up 10,000 spots at the moment still because of the swings and roundabouts on how it's going. So if you're ranked inside that sort of, you know, top 10,000, 20,000 and you're, and you're thinking to yourself, you know, my season's over. It really isn't. Like, it might be very hard to win it all and to come first, but I certainly wouldn't write it off um, as far as other goals, whether that's top 1,000, um, certainly very reachable still. Even top 500, uh, you could get lucky and do even better than that. But how do you do that, you know, if you're at this point? One of the important things to look at is the buys. Now, certainly we've spoken before uh, about buy planning, um, and I've chatted about it next week. We're going to have a big buy episode where me and Billy are going to go through all the best buys for round 13, um, obviously a couple of weeks out. So that's going to talk about the buys, but we've said before that there's two trains of thought with the buys and both strategies are fine. One of them is you just don't worry about the buys, you know, because Billy has articulated very well how he isn't going to look at the buys very much because when he normally hits the buys up, he ends up being disappointed sometimes because... A lot of guys end up being out by the time you get to round 13 and planning goes out the window. People that don't plan as much end up scoring better than you sometimes and, and all that type of stuff. So really valid points from Billy. Um, the other option, obviously, is for you to hit the buys hard and look at that as an opportunity to catch ground. Now, that is something that you can look at right now. If you've had a really bad few weeks, um, our last three weeks, you know, I had a couple of really good ones and then I just hit another wall again where I had a really bad week this week. And I really need to make up some ground. So my strategy is that I'm going to focus big time on that round 13 buy now. Uh, that's that's going to be my sole focus pretty much. And immediate points in that buy is what I'm looking for because this is a time to really turn things around and catch up. Because once we get past these buys, it's very hard in the final couple of months of 40 to make up any ground at all. So this is a time to really do it. As far as hitting the buy, um, a couple of reasons why I think that Hitting it hard this year is is easier than, than prior years in some ways. Um, you've got the trade boosts at the moment. So there's certainly ways that you can uh, manufacture trades now where it's, it's easy to set yourself up for that buy without having to do it the week before as well. So you can hit on guys that maybe are a lot lower price point now than what they are going to be in a couple of weeks' time when you actually get to round 13 purchasing. So that's one thing. Uh, the other thing too is that Whilst um, we have trade boosts and not the big, you know, five trade rounds that we're used to with the buys, go and have a look at the rules because one of the things that I think people don't realise is those buy rounds, like for round 13, the first one, you do get three up to three trades that you can use and that's without a boost. So if you boost, you are going to get four trades that round. But if you don't boost, you're still going to get your three, obviously. So it's not just a two trade round like normal. Even without the boost, you're going to get three. Really important because one of the things that I'm looking at the next couple of weeks is uh, if I burn my boosts, it doesn't matter. If, I, if I'm if i going to burn them looking for that buy, then whether I make 
boost buy player trade-ins now for week 11 or whether I do it for week 13 in a couple of weeks, it's still going to achieve the same thing. So don't be scared to use the boost that you're going to use in round 13 for round 11. The only thing with that is that there's going to be a small risk that perhaps the guy gets injured, perhaps he gets suspended, and obviously that risk is going to be there. But look, you'd be pretty unlucky if that happens, so you'd like to think that it's not going to. Uh, so that's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm actually going to use a boost that I didn't want to use until the buy early. I'm going to do it now. Because the other thing that it does give me as a positive is it helps my team get better points right now. And again, if I'm chasing, I'm in the boat now where I'm coming off a bad week. I really want to make sure that I follow it up with a good week so I don't fall too far behind. And I also want to plan for round 13. I can do both of those things just by using that round 13 trade boost now and use my three trades and just not use it in round 13 knowing that I've still got three trades there now. So next few weeks is going to be critical for me because I am going to look pretty hard at that buy period. Me and Billy will talk more about uh, what players you can target next week. But that's just real quick something to think about as far as strategy. You know, don't get too down on you can't chase if you're 10, 20,000, even more spots behind because you still can. And there's ways to do that. But one of the easiest ways right now is to have a look at the buy and see what you can do there. We do still have a lot of pods who are scoring really well. You know, out of the 29 good scoring players of 80 plus last round, only eight of them weren't pods. So that should tell you something. There's some great ones on offer as well. Let's go into TLT and have a, a big deep dive into that now. So kicking off the round, we've got the Broncos versus the Knights. Not exactly a blockbuster, but the Broncos have been playing a lot better. Got a really good win last week for Magic Roundover. Pretty pitiful manly side. As far as the changes for these two sides, uh, I mean, obviously the Broncos have been going great guns, so no changes at the moment, although there was talk that uh, Martin's got an injury, so he might not play. I don't think many people would be playing him anyway, so it shouldn't make too much of a difference. Selwyn Cobbo was training all week at the uh, fullback spot, but apparently he's still not going to play there, so it's not going to really make any difference. Big news for Knights, though. Frizzell returns, which is really big for them, uh, and it does see Barnett move from the edge, which we're going to talk about a little bit in a moment. And Anthony Milford making his debut as well, which is going to be super interesting against his old Broncos side. But as far as Supercoach goes, there has been a fair bit of movement on market watch for these two teams. Uh, Cobo, he's number six most traded in. A-Ray, number eight most traded in. These guys are very popular at the moment. Uh, Good reason, because at the moment, we'll talk with Adam Reynolds first. He is pretty under the radar uh, at the moment because I think... A lot of astute super coaches kind of know the story with Adam Reynolds. He is a guy that is pretty solid. You know, if you look at the years before this season, his averages from 2021 back for four years were 58, 60, 55, 52. He's always in that 50 to 60 range. Most of his scores are as well. Uh, if it, even if you look at the first uh, few weeks of the season, started off with a stinker of 32, then was 56, 68, 55, 56, and that's pretty much him. About a month ago, that all changed where he had an absolute masterclass against the Bulldogs of 115 points. Then he hit up 53 against a, 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 one of the best defensive teams in the comp in the Sharks. And then he threw 100 points on South, followed by 98 points last week and gets Manly. So he's positively on fire. Halfback only, obviously. But I really don't like it as a trade-in. And look, A-Ray's form has been really, really good. Playing Newcastle and the Titans the next two weeks is great, but I'm going to sell you on why I'm not a fan of this trade. So, first of all, 
Price point, 680000 That is a huge amount of money to spend on Adam Reynolds. Uh, now we're going to look at whether he can actually make any money for you. Because normally when someone has 198 in their rolling average, they've got a really good break-even. Not really, he's got around a 20 break-even. So it's not even a negative break-even where you're going to be able to pocket some cash in a couple of weeks and get him out quickly. So no value there. He's not going to be playing the buy round either. Uh, he might give you some immediate points the next couple of weeks. Um, and then maybe if you're looking at a two-week rental, you know that could work. So I, I'm not going to normally ever say someone's the worst trade ever and never going to work out. Very, very rare will I say that. Adam Reynolds could work out in the sense that if you want to do a quick cash, uh, if you want to do a quick points grab, not cash grab, the next two weeks against the Knights and the Titans, I could see him still scoring pretty well. Maybe he does a 75 average the next couple of weeks or something. You know? But then you've got to trade him out for that buy. So you know, if you've got heaps of trades up your sleeve and you want to hit on some of those really high scoring pods potentially over the next fortnight, it kind of makes sense there. But generally, for 99% of coaches that are doing this, I don't think it's going to make much sense at all to be doing this. So uh, Adam Reynolds, I would not be trading in. There's no value at his price point. He's not going to play the buy. He's not going to make a huge amount of money. And he's already had a really good month of footy. And everything that we've seen from Adam Reynolds before says, even when he goes on runs or even when he's in good form, that's not going to continue. And at the Broncos before the last month, it wasn't continuing at all. He was averaging like 55 points a game. So wouldn't be doing that one. Uh, Cobo is a completely different kettle of fish, though. He, is, he has started scoring tries in bulk. So hadn't scored a try for the first seven rounds. Then he got a double in round eight for 82 points. Uh, then he got a terrible score of 26. But then he got another double again of 85 points against South. And then last week, magic round... Three-try hero, 79 points. Now, 472,000 minus 12-wide break-even. You know, if you held him or if you got him the last couple of weeks in, then it's fantastic. Buying him right now, it's hard to talk anyone out of it because he does have a small negative break-even. He's on a bit of a tear. Um, Some of the things that I would say to be careful of is we've seen already the games that he doesn't score tries – he, he's got scores in the 20s. You know, 50% of his scores almost to 20, 20 to 30 points. It's a very, very low floor that he's got. Uh, even last week, 79 points sounds great, but he needs three tries to get 79 points because he is someone that is a target for Adam Reynolds' kicking game. Uh, that's all very good in real life, but it doesn't necessarily translate to super coach points because you're losing 10 points on each of those tries for no line break. So, yeah, it's not the best scoring where averaging two and a half tries for his three games that he scored in, two and a half tries equals about 80 points. Yeah, it's, it's not the best. So I wouldn't be doing it just because his price point is 470000 If you were already on him, it's great. You definitely hold him and you'd love the next two weeks of playing him. Certainly he's a play. I just think that he's priced himself out of, out of grabbing him at this point and he doesn't play the buy. So... Uh, a few negatives as far as purchasing him. But we move on. Uh, the next guy that we're going to talk about, when we're going for pod hunting. Now, there's a couple of knights here that are really interesting. One's a bit of a trap. The other one looks very, very good at the moment, and no one's talking about David Clemmer. So let's hit on him first. 588000 for a starting front row forward. Clemmer has always been a bit too meat and potatoes. He did have a, a bit of a bust out couple of seasons in 2019 and, and 2020 where his minutes went up and he started offloading a lot. Um, his offloads completely deserted him in 2021 and so did his minutes and he ended up only going 56 points a game. 
He's now up to 67 points a game this season. That's matching his career high super coach output. And he's done it very quietly because I, like many people, have just kind of ignored the good games because you just sort of think that it's going to go back down in the meat and potatoes. It really hasn't. And all of a sudden, people need to have a look at David Clemmer and consider him, especially because he's a front row forward and we all know about that position and the depth that's not really there for super coach options. So David Clemmer came back in round six, 94 points. And out of that, he had 61 in raw base. Next game, 48 points. Okay, cool. We can ignore that. I sort of thought in round seven, we can move on. Uh, And then the last three weeks, though, it is too good for you to not pay attention to. Everyone is going on about Ruben Cotter, as they should, because of how much of a base stat beast he is and how solid his scores are. David Clement, the last three weeks, has gone a 73 average, going 76, 72, and 70. And across that time, he's had a 60 raw base average. That is phenomenal. Uh, and his, his best score the last three weeks is actually against the Storm with 76 points. His minutes have been what's been great. He's been averaging 63 minutes the last three weeks. So that's probably the caveat there. Um, Newcastle have been a bit under strength in the forwards. They've got guys coming back. Is that going to continue? When he did return from injury, he was 50 and 49 minutes in round six and seven. Now, you could say that was a return from injury and he was always going to play bigger minutes, or you could say he's played bigger minutes the last few weeks because of uh, the injuries that they've had in the pack, although they haven't really had a huge amount of middles out. You know, Barnett was playing on the edge, though, which meant they had a small minute 13. Uh, Kurt Mann has been out as well, and he's closer to a return. So, look, there is a bit of trappishness there. You know, he could very well go back to low minutes, but... He's got to be in the 40s. 588,000 is, is pretty cheap for someone that, it, that can average around 70 points a game if the minutes continue at around 60. So wait and see, perhaps. But he will play the second buy, so maybe he's going to be more of a purchase for that. But certainly, if you're looking for a pod or you can't afford a front row forward, he's someone to consider. The problem with him is that you can't really get a big enough ceiling on him most of the time. It's going to be solid scores. So if you're looking to chase, it's not really going to work out. Uh, a guy that does have a better ceiling, though, is Barnett. And, you know, Barnett's somebody who we've seen this from before. He returned last week against the Bulldogs, played 80 minutes on the edge, scored 78 points with a 56 raw base. Three offloads, the tackle breaks, good work rate, everything that you love in a second row forward for Supercoach. Problem is that uh, whilst a few astute coaches are looking at him for this week, he's now been named at 13. And that's going to be a huge issue because at 13 last year, uh, his minutes were often capped at around 50. And when that was happening, his scores were sort of between 45 and 55 range. Never really good enough. He really needs to be on that edge. If he was starting on an edge again, geez, he'd be a good buy this week because he's playing the Broncos edge, followed by the, the Warriors edge. That's a good couple of weeks of edge games for him with the matchups. But he's not going to be there, unfortunately. So he's in 13. So I think he's going to be a bit of a trap uh, I would avoid. As far as the vice-captaincy and captaincy options in this one, I really don't think that there is any phenomenal ones. Uh, so I'd certainly be moving on to the other games to look for those. Um, top sport bet of the week on this one, though. We've got the Knights at $3.05 underdogs, which is very fair considering how good Brisbane looked last week. But I think some of how good Brisbane looked was certainly to do with Magic Roundup at Suncorp, the atmosphere, and also Manly being really, really bad. So... I don't mind the Knights with some troops back to actually um, go with Brisbane for a bit. I don't think they're going to win, uh, but top sport, you can get plus 10.5 points at $1.78, and I don't mind that at all. I think it's pretty good value, so I'm going to go for that one. 
The next game is the Tigers versus the Bulldogs. Uh, and this one's quite interesting because these are two sides that are obviously struggling a fair bit. And Trent Barrett's just been sacked. So you know what that means. Bulldogs are probably going to get a win. Uh, and they're probably going to perform pretty well. Now, for the Dogs, we've got Waddell out. Um, he's replaced by Topini. Uh, Sorry, I pronounced that completely wrong. Um, and Avrilo comes back in for Naden, who's now gone uh, and left for the Tigers. So... Tiger side of things, uh, Naden's already named in the reserves, so that's really interesting to play his, his club that was, you know, his club just last week. Luke Brooks is out with Madden in. Um, interesting watch for Supercoach. Garner's pushes back into the second row. He is someone who is going to get the dual status come next week, where he's going to be a dual second row forward centre wing. So that's going to be interesting if he ends up playing 80 minutes on an edge again and you can throw him in centre wing. We'll have a bit of a watch on that the coming weeks. But popular cheapy Kelma Tuilagi is back to the bench, and he becomes an immediate sell. It's just been a bit unfortunate with Kelma. He's had the opportunity to score some big points for a while, but he just keeps getting either hurt or, or ends up you know, being short or has a try disallowed that should have been a try a few weeks ago. Just been an unlucky run, but he has made enough money to certainly sell him now. I'd definitely be selling him now, and he is one of the most traded-out players, and he certainly should be. Another guy that's one of the most traded-out players is Max King. He definitely needs to go as well, so that completely makes sense too. Uh, Tigers and Bulldogs don't have a huge amount of supercoach options, but I am going to talk about a couple of pods in this one for sure. And this one's a, a real big pod. You know, this is a, a true big balls pod, this one. Um, Matt Burton I mentioned last week I was looking at. He's a really easy trade from, say, a Lachlan Ilias. Uh, he's gone 57 and 71 the last two weeks, and... You know, that's a lot better than what he's been doing the rest of the season. There's only one other score he's done that's been better than that. I I don't know whether that says more about how bad the Bulldog season is or his season, but we've spoken about it last week already. The next three weeks, he's got the Tigers, he's got the Dragons, and then he's got Penrith that are going to be really under strength in a revenge game for him since he came from the Panthers. So, look, he's only been averaging 46 points, like we said last week. But he's only around 440,000. He's got a BE of 15. So now's the time to buy him. He's a 5'8". So if you've got Ilias at 5'8", you can easily you know, pull Ilias out and trade him because it's time for him to go. And Burton gives you what I mentioned at the start of the podcast as a strategy that you may be looking for if you really want to chase hard. He's an ultra pod. Uh, he's someone who can, can give you good points now immediately for the next couple of weeks. And he's someone who's going to be a, a premium halves option in that buy period when there isn't any for round 13. And he's going to make money. So he kind of ticks all the boxes. Uh, but the real negative and the thing that makes him a big balls pod is that he just hasn't had a good season. You know, his scoring hasn't been there. Have to acknowledge that and also have to acknowledge, you know, he is cheap enough, but he's not uber cheap where it's just a value play either. So uh, a lot of pros, few cons, Definitely a consideration. I'm going to consider him myself this week because hardly anyone owns him. It is a chance to latch on to one of those big scores. You'd imagine in the next few weeks, if he's going to get a big score, it's going to be coming. Uh, obviously, there's always the coach being sacked bounce back factor. He's also auditioning for potentially a contract because he's going to start testing the market at the end of this year as well. Uh, that's been very well publicized too. So a lot of good factors there for Burton just for the next few weeks of footy. So certainly I'm looking at him as a plug and play. I like him for this one against the Tigers. I think he's a 70-plus special, and that's pretty good value at 440000 So definitely going to have a look at him. One of the guys that is a pod two that has been really disappointing now is Tavita Pangai Jr. Uh, and I say really disappointing. Uh, last week, he was super disappointing. So before last week, 
he'd been really solid. You know, for a few week run, and I bought him for this. It was sixty-seven, fifty-four, and eighty-four. Uh, around nine sixty-seven points. He went down to sixty minutes, which was a bit odd because for five weeks he played between seventy and eighty. It was a bit strange. Then last week, Trent Barrett decided to play him for forty-five minutes. Now, if anyone wants to talk about why Trent Barrett was sacked, they cannot score points. Tavita Penguin Jr. leads the NRL in offloads at 3.7 offloads a game. The only offload they had last week was from Tavita Penguin Jr. And he only managed one because he only got to play 45 minutes. So as an owner, the hope is that he's going to be playing more minutes now that Barrett's gone and he's not going to do something weird like he did last week and the week before with his minutes. There's, there's hope for that. Um, as someone who doesn't own him, you certainly can't buy him at the moment, but he does have a 79 BE. And the next couple of weeks, that gives you a good audition time to have a look at him for that round 13 buy. It may very well be the Bulldogs come out firing the next couple of weeks with Barrett gone. It also could be that they put in some different systems, and, and that might help to beat a Penguin Jr. quite a bit as well. So definitely a big watch on that one. But aside from that, there isn't really much else to talk about in this one. Certainly no VC or, or C options out of the Tigers and the Bulldogs. So we move on to the top sport bit of the week. And Canary Bulldogs are $2.05. The line is one and a half points. I love the bounce back for a side that's that's playing not a very great side in the Tigers after their coach has been sacked and they're under a huge amount of pressure. Siege mentality, dogs of war style. I'm going to take the plus one and a half of the dogs at $1.95. And, 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 you know, I hope that they do because the fans have been through quite a bit as well. So I hope they get a little bit of a bounce back and the players get some sort of reprieve from the media with a win over the Tigers. Eels versus Manly in the next game. Uh, this one's interesting because the Eels were in red-hot form. Uh, then the Roosters really played well last week and beat them, so they're going to be seething and, and really wanting to bounce back hard this week. Whereas the Sea Eagles played one of the worst games of football I've ever seen a Manly side play. In fact, one of the worst games of football probably seen any <laughs> any team play. They were abysmal. Uh, I mentioned on Twitter, DC probably played the worst game I've ever seen. There was a lot of things wrong with how he played. And Turbo looked absolutely lame the entire game. So it's made it really, really interesting as a, a super coach matchup because we've got Ben Trevojevic out now. Uh, you do need to hold him. Maybe he's only out for three weeks, in which case he could play the bye still. Uh, and he's also still got a negative break-even. So it's not the worst. Schuster comes back on the bench, though, which will certainly help Manly. On the Eels side of things, the big supercoach news is Ryan Madison is finally starting again. He's starting at 13 with Brown on the bench, though. Uh, so he's going to be one of the guys that we're going to talk about straight up because he's been going great guns. So Madison is the fourth most trading player at the moment. Uh, that's a pretty big turnaround from his non-ownership a few weeks ago. He's definitely earned it, though. Uh, the last three-round average is at 90. His five-round is at 77. And look, pretty much most of the year, he's actually been really good. It's funny because his two worst scores are the ones that he was on the bench for. So 42 and 48 points was round one and round four, which was his first two games of the season starting. Then from round five onwards, he was actually benched and... During that time, he's gone 86, 60, 55, 72, 91, 107. And these last three weeks in particular, you know, he's averaged 53 minutes and he's gone 72, 91, and 107. 53 minutes for a 90 average is superb. There is a few little worries with Maddo, though, and I'm going to put those out there. I don't think that he's a bad option at all. Uh, certainly, if you if you've got the cash to splash... Go for it because Manly's edges look absolutely shot normally anyway this season. Even when they're playing better, they looked awful last week. So Madison could very well be in for a big game. Um, but 
even though he's playing in the middle, he does tend to hit those edges. Even the middle, though, of Manly does look a little bit slow, so that could benefit him as well. A couple of little caveats with buying him, though. 660000 I, I mentioned on a chat with a few friends today that, geez, it would have been nice if he got that starting jersey after he'd lost a bit of cash, where you could buy him at sort of 550 or something like that. Even 500 would have been great. It would have been a really good buy. At 660000 I think that you're pretty much paying close to peak for him. He does have a BE of 14, so he is going to increase in cash, but... You know, you need to wait and see how much, based on how he goes in the next couple of weeks, it may not be too much. But the biggest thing for me is that I think people's eyes light up when you see, okay, cool, he's won the starting jersey back, he's in the starting side once again. He may not actually play a lot more minutes. So if you're starting on an edge, you'd be a lot happier because maybe he gets 80 minutes back again and you'd assume he would. That's heaps more than what he's been playing. But starting at 13... He's already been averaging 53 minutes the last few weeks. You know, the last three weeks, he's averaged 53 minutes. How much more is he going to average with Nathan Brown on the bench there? Maybe he could go to an edge after Brown comes on. If he does that and gets 80 minutes, that's phenomenal. Um, I'd rather wait and see for the price point uh, because he's not huge value right now. Because the likely chance is that he's just playing a straight 13 role. Uh, And if that's the case... A very good chance he only gets to 53 minutes, which he's been getting. And if that happens, you've got to consider that out of the last three weeks, two of those weeks he scored a try. Um, he's had a very good base of a 53 average of raw base the last three weeks. But if he's just getting that with some offloads, you know, it's 60 points basically for 660,000, that's not going to be great. Uh, so I'd probably rather wait and see what a starting role actually means because Nathan Brown isn't someone who's just going to play no minutes you'd hope that maybe Madison's going to rotate onto an edge. If that happens, he's going to be a really good buy. But I think we kind of need to see that first, for me personally anyway. If you are going to bite the bullet and do it, look, here's a guy that hasn't scored badly for the last six weeks of footy. So there's nothing wrong with spending the cash if you've got it. Just be aware of those couple couple little caveats. Uh, another guy that is a really popular buy and market watch with this is obviously Papali'i. We've spoken about Isaiah Papali'i plenty. Um, there's nothing more to say about him. He's an absolute beast. He's become the best front row forward option that there is if you've got him at front row forward. And last week he scored 113 points against the Roosters in a losing effort. So that tells you how good he's going. He's now playing, again, we spoke about the Manly Edges being weak. You know, I'm, I'm pretty scared about Papali. He could absolutely go ballistic this week if, if I don't buy him. So it is going to be hard when, you know, I was planning on buying him in round 14, ahead of the round 17 buy. I mentioned last week, look, surely he's not really going to go up any money. He didn't really, but he went up seven grand still, so it's not like he stayed the same. Uh, and he's just not going down. And unfortunately, the Manly Seagulls and the Canberra Raiders the next two weeks are a really good matchup. So it might be the time just to bite the bullet and spend $800,000 on him because he's not looking like he's going to go down. His lowest score is a 58 uh, and he's got 159 apart from that. Everything is 60 plus. He goes 60 plus 80% of the time. And in fact, he's going 70 plus 70% of the time. That is pretty hard to ignore and pretty hard to wait for price drops for. So uh, I think that I probably, I, I definitely got it wrong last week, guys. So there was a few people that asked me for advice uh, and said, you know, do I go turbo or, or do I go Papali? And I said, well, look, turbo's got the upside and I think that you need to go for the upside. Papa Lee's fairly capped. He doesn't normally score tons too much. It's a lot of 90s, though, which are good. Turbo has the potential to go 150. I was wrong. Papa Lee was a much better buy. Apologize to those guys I gave feedback to. Uh, but look, 
I just didn't see Turbo coming, really, as far as uh, how badly he was hurt last week and how badly he played. But when we're looking at market watch trade, no surprise there isn't any Manly Seagulls on there. But there is some big Manly Seagull trade-outs, and I just mentioned one of them, and that was Tom Trevojevic. He lost $76,000 last week, and he scored 20 points. It, it, it really hurt. Um, so uh, I've been going back and forth on Twitter with a lot of people about this. Uh, me and Wilfred in particular have chatted a lot about it on Twitter and in chats as well. And, and look, there's no right or wrong answer with selling or holding uh, Trevojevic. I know Wilfred is a staunch holder, uh, and you'll probably talk about that a lot on the Champions podcast tonight. I am a little bit more liberal with the decision. Um, I understand if people want to sell him. Uh, and I also understand with, with Wilfred holding him. I will support Wilfred's point that um, I wouldn't be concerned about his scoring. I think that he's still going to score well. Um, if you bought him and you're confident he's healthy, I think you hold him. Um, I do think that he's going to back up in origin because Wilfred made a great point that I agree with. Manly can't afford for him not to. Manly aren't entrenched in the top eight. They need him. However, the downsides are definitely there. 167 break-even. Now, he is going to leak some cash, and you just need to kind of accept that. But like I sort of said on Twitter a couple of times, I'm not concerned about Trevojevic scoring points. Uh, I'm concerned about his health and how Manly look as a team. Manly looked awful last week to the point that I think that that's going to be a hangover on them for a, a bit of time. And in fact, it might even be longer term where if that's how they're going to look or... That's how they're going to play, even at you know fifty percent as bad as that. It's going to be really bad for them. So I don't love how they're looking at all. Uh, the other thing was Turbo's health. So I believe in Turbo, um, but I need to believe in Turbo provided he's healthy. The NRL physio did some really good updates and said that it was a cork that he sustained, and he found the footage of when he got corked and everything above his knee. That's fine, um, and I'm, I'm Brian Cini's fantastic, great podcast. If you haven't listened to the Magic Sponge. Go and go and do it, but I'm not questioning uh, Brian's Brian's ability to have a look at the injuries and certainly what he says about them. I agree. I, I'll just trust whatever he said is 100 percent right. But I will say, whilst that might be an injury that made him a bit lame, it doesn't mean that his knee wasn't hurting him, and that's what I'm concerned about because he looked like he had uh, he was really labouring on that knee, and I don't think that he looked shot. He looked really really bad. I don't think that Manly are going to say that his knee is hurting him if it is at the moment. I just It just seems like that they're just going to keep quiet on it. So I'm pretty worried about it. You know, If he looks like he did last week, it is going to be a terrible game from him this week. If he's completely healthy, he, I could see him very much scoring 100 points on Parramatta. So you just kind of need to decide as a turbo owner whether you're going to trust that he's going to be healthy, in which case I think that you keep him, um, or whether you think that He's not going to be healthy and he's going to look like last week, in which case I think that you have to sell. So it's it's toss-up even for me. You know, I'm trying to decide whether I'm going to believe that he's healthy or not because it's a decision where I think that you're making it for the long term at this point. You know, he's got 167 BE. If he throws up another 20 again and you just bought him especially last week, you cannot cop a $220,000 loss and just move on. Uh, I, I don't think you can do that. You're basically making a decision now on whether you're going to hold through and stick strong or, or whether you're going to punt him now for as much value as you can now at 831000 before he hits another drop. So big decisions to make. Um, I'm leaning towards holding him myself, um, although I, 
I still am going to reserve the right to change my mind and potentially sell him and get some value for that buy round. And, you know, again, comes down to whether I have a look into it and see how he's training and stuff and, and think that he's uh, healthy or not for the game. Other thing to take into account, not with, just with Turbo, but with his mainly purchases that you might be making, is that they do have the Storm next week as well. And then they've got the buy. Um, so certainly... Yeah, as far as the buy, they've obviously got guys that are going to play in the buy, but for guys like Turbo, he's not going to play in it because he's going to be in origin. So certainly you can hold off if you've got other guys that you want to buy at the moment and see how they look against Para and the Storm. If you've got guys like Ola Kawatu, you know, I'm going to look at him as a potential round 13 purchase. He's got a 70s break even. Uh, certainly guys like Schuster, I've seen guys talk about, oh, if he gets put in the starting lineup, do we jump on him? Wait and see what happens because Manly, again, just look really bad. I'm very standoffish on them, uh, and I'm going to sit any Manly players that aren't named Tom Travojevic or Ola Kawatu this week. I wouldn't be playing any of the rest of them, really. On the eel side, other guys of interest for purchasing. Now, absolute pod hunting here, but Clint Gutherson has really started to bottom out. What do you do if you so, if you do decide to get rid of Turbo? You know, are you hunting for another fullback? Do you already have Teddy? Obviously, Pappenhausen's out. What other options are there? Now, Clint Gutherson is definitely one just to consider because you can actually put him in for a bit of a run now, and he does play round 17, provided there isn't injuries in origin. He shouldn't be there. 546,000, he's basically bottomed out. So you're going to get 300,000 to play with by trading Turbo down to him, for instance. Manly looked terrible last week. I've already mentioned it many times. So it's a really good game for Gutho, good matchup. And as well as that too, Gutho used to be an old Manly boy before he signed at Parramatta, so I really like those games. When you're looking at his run that's coming up, really good for fullbacks at the moment. Manly, the Raiders, he does have the round 13 bye. Bulldogs, Roosters, South, but right around origin time, and then West Tigers in that bye. So after that, you could even keep him for a couple more weeks, depending on whether guys are hurt or, or how Origin actually pans out with resting. You know, round 18, maybe some of those big guns are going to get rested, and you've got the Warriors for the Eels. And then you hit the Broncos, and then it gets into a hard draw that you'd be selling him for for the run home anyway. So feasibly, you know, the next half a dozen games, very good chance that Gutho could average 75+. plus. Very good chance that you're going to make a hundred to one hundred fifty thousand out of him at minimum, and he's going to be a premium option for the round seventeen buy. That you could look at getting earlier if you don't need to use every trade possible to hit that round thirteen right now. So I'm just going to mark it because I reckon that he's actually going to be in for a bit of a smoky game this week, and he's going to be an eighty pluser and have one of his better games of the season with a bit of an eels bounce back after the loss to the Roosters last week. Uh, captaincy and vice captaincies. Oh, it's very hard to do any of them. Uh, I do think that still, if if you think the Turbo is healthy, he's got to be a smoky as a VC still because he is a guy that ha- always has that type of ability. But uh, on other guys that are a concern, when we're talking about concerns in this game, Ruben Garrick, obviously, you wouldn't be going anywhere near. Um, and look, you probably have to play him. I said I'd be sitting everyone, but he was one of the big mistakes last week as well. He obviously went really badly, and he's going to start hemorrhaging money now. So he's a good round 13 purchase, uh, but you certainly wouldn't be looking at him in the next couple of weeks. On Top Sport, look, they've looked at that Manly game last week, obviously, and put them at $3.10 outsiders. I think that's about right. $1.38 for the Eels. Uh, if you take the Eels at minus 4.5 points, you'll get them at $1.59. Uh, I think that's pretty decent value, and I'd be going for that as well. This is a great time to take a quick break and mention the fantastic partner of the All-Stars podcast in Top Sport. 
Top Sport are 100% Australian-owned bookmaker. If you haven't heard of them, they often have the best odds in market. And that's not just from sport, but they've also got great racing odds as well. And with sport, one of the great things that all super coaches jump on their really, really enjoy going into is the player performance markets because it's it's very much like playing Supercoach. They've got their own fantasy sports scoring system. It's based on the real NRL stats as well, and it's really easy to jump on and see what that is with their half a dozen stats that they use and just going over and unders on player points for fantasy scoring. Really great markets. Look at it, player performance markets on Top Sport. You can go to topsport at topsport.com.au or download the app. But if you're going to have a go there, Gamble responsibly, like always, but make sure when you create your account, use the promo code SC All Stars. That is from this podcast. They'll know you're a listener straight away, and they'll take fantastic care of you. So jump on there, topsport.com.au. Dragons Warriors is the next one, and look, this one is far from a blockbuster. The Dragons, yeah, I mentioned last week, Lomax was a bit of a value buy because of the run that he had coming, and I, I couldn't have been any more wrong. He had his worst score, 37 points, so... That didn't work out at all. He still does have two stellar matchups, though, with the Warriors and the Bulldogs coming. Uh, but the the Dragons had a really bad loss in that Golden Point game versus the Titans. Likewise, the Warriors, you know, they, they made a really good comeback against South Sydney, but South Sydney just put them to the sword in that first half, and the game was virtually over anyway, even though they had a bit of a chance at the end. It, it was always going to be South, I thought. So... Interesting matchup because it's not a stellar one as far as Supercoach goes, and that's reflected in Market Watch at the moment. Most traded in players and traded out players in the top 10s, no Warriors or Dragons feature, and hardly any of them are very owned at all. I'm going to throw out the pod that I had last week that I said I was going to watch, and that was Mikhaili Ravalawa. He is now at a very, very cheap price of 287000 I might actually go him this week, um, and I'm going to talk about my reasoning why. The Warriors and the Bulldogs are the next two weeks, okay? The Warriors are giving up a huge amount of points to, to opposing center wings. They're one of the best super coach sides for opposing center wings that you could hit. Uh, and the Bulldogs aren't phenomenal with that either. So Warriors and Bulldogs next two weeks, really good matchups for him. Um, the Bulldogs might be a bit more pumped up you know, this week than what they are next week as well. So might be some drop-off. He's 287000 My reasoning... That is it, because he's that cheap that he's got to make some money soon. He's also been on such a try-scoring drought that he needs to be going and over the stripe again shortly. But round one versus the Warriors, I mentioned how bad they are at opposing centre wings. Played in round one, McKaylee. Only tries that he scored all season, and he scored three of them. 119 points against the Warriors in round one. I don't think the Warriors are much different now, and the Dragons are going to be playing them at home as well. So... I expect uh, McKaylee to go over the line at least once. And that also means, and this is getting to the reason why I'm buying him, that I don't have to play a dud fourth center wing. Probably a lot of center wings at the moment have got guys like Burbo there, Cooler, uh, and also some injured guys. You might have a Valia as well from the Warriors. There's a lot of center wings that all of a sudden have to play a fourth guy that's not very good. If you can sell one of those guys, uh, and I might actually have to hang up the boots on Billy Smith and forget about round 13 on him uh, and get a Ravalara in just for a spot start for a couple of weeks, that can be a big difference. And he does have ton potential. If he can get two or three tries, which he's done before, he's going for a big score. Against the Warriors, he's got as good a chance as anyone. Again, center wing scores, they give up a huge amount. So not a home run, but you can't really go wrong at 287,000. He will cover that round 17 by as well. And post round 13... Their run isn't that bad. Cowboys, Souths, Canberra, Broncos. 
really easy sell after that round 17 as well and just a rotation place. So uh, I don't mind it as a downgrade, especially, you know, if you've got someone that you need to get out of your center wing uh, because they're injured or just because of um, you need the cash for another big upgrade, I think Rabalawa this week is an option. It is a big balls one. I'm not going to guarantee it. It may not come off, but he didn't score a try last week. Had 35 in raw base and scored 42. You know, that's not too bad considering how bad that game was. I'm actually going to move on from this one, guys. There is no vice captaincy or captaincy options, uh, but I'll finish on a big pod, and that is Reese Walsh. He's been spoken about a little bit. I did mention that Gutho is a big balls downgrade option for a pod from Turbo if you did decide to sell him. I'm not as big on Reese Walsh, but one of the things that he does do is he does play around 13 and he's goal kicking. And the goal kicking is a huge part of it because it helps. He's only averaged 57 for the season, but he's only 470,000. So he's uh, you know about 70,000 less than what Clint Gutherson is as a pod option. And he does have the Dragons and the Knights the next two weeks, which isn't bad. And Manly round 13, which is going to be a Manly side without DCE and without Turbo, that should be a really good matchup for the Warriors. So certainly he's someone that you could consider downgrading to. He's got a B of 18, so he's basically bottomed out. And he's going to be owned by nobody. So he's certainly a massive, massive pod. And he's only got a high score of 76. uh, Sorry, he's only got a high score of 86, but he is a guy that can ton. And he does have three scores of 76 or more out of his nine games. So it's not like he doesn't have the high scores. He's just got the lower ones. But when you do look at the lower ones, you know, a lot of them are against um, some of the better teams. He's two lowest scores of the year. Uh, 25 against the Raiders is a bit of an anomaly, but the other one, 32 against the Storm, and the next lowest is 49 against the Roosters. So uh, certainly he's he's a bit of a pot option that you can consider. Top sport bet on this one. Look, I, I really can't bet on... The Warriors, the Dragons looked pretty bad last week. Um, so $1.54 for them looks pretty good. But if you do believe in Kaylee Ravalawa, guys, you know, he hasn't been scoring tries. So if you have a look at him, he's $1.93 to score any time. And that's really good odds. So I'd be all over that one myself. Really like Kaylee to at least score one try this week. I'm going to bet on it on topsport.com.au. And I'm probably going to get him into my side too as a bit of a pod play. So I don't have to play a cooler or someone. So next game of the round, Cowboys versus Storm. This one's interesting because the Cowboys have been doing much better than anyone thought this year, whereas you know the Storm are going along pretty much as per program. So for Supercoach, the Storm have been a tough matchup. Uh, the Cowboys have had a bit of an easier draw, so it's going to be good to see how the Cows actually go up against one of the top teams. Uh, for the changes, the Cows have been going that good that they're doing nothing to their 17, which isn't too surprising. For the Storm... Asafa Solomona is out. That is going to be a little bit super coach relevant because Brandon Smith is going to come in and start for him. Uh, along with that, Jerome Hughes was out last week, last minute rule out, and now he's back this week. So that's pretty big. But let's go into market watch for this one because there is a lot of action in this game. When we're having a look at the market watch outs, Coates is number one. And big reason, you know, Coates has a huge break even. We said last week that he should have been a trade out. It makes complete sense. So I'm not going to talk anyone out of trading out Coates with a huge break even. The Cowboys are one of the top defensive teams in the NRL at the moment. Whether that sticks when their draw gets a bit harder now, we'll wait and see. But at the moment, I think that you've got to give them a bit of respect. And Coates, even against uh, mediocre or middle, middle ground NRL defensive sides doesn't go fantastic. So really easy trade out for Coates. He should be number one. But number 10, Toma Lolo. This one 
is a little bit perplexing. I mean, I can sort of see why people are looking at it, but Tom Malolo is just under 560,000. He's got a BE of over 100, okay? So 105 BE, maybe under some circumstances in different points of the year, people might decide that they're going to you know, punt him because they don't like the look of it. He's coming off a 24-point game. I think that's what's getting in people's heads a little bit. Uh, 24 points, but you know he only played 31 minutes, and it wasn't because of an injury or anything. Pretty much what happened was that the the Cowboys routed the Tigers like it was a nothing game. By half time, it was all over. Tom Lolo was on the bench, and this is what Todd Payton will do sometimes. He'll just leave Lolo off. He did it against the Cow uh, against the Knights the week before. So the last two weeks, Tom Lolo's only played 31 and 49 minutes. You know, prior to that. Pretty much for a month straight, he averaged 60-plus minutes. So I wouldn't be too worried about the last two weeks as an owner. Um, last week is a bit of an anomaly. It's a terrible score of 24 points. It's not a reason to sell him. It was a game that was a flogging. Cowboys were up by heaps. They're not going to be up heaps against the Storm. They're not going to be up heaps against the Panthers the following week. They're going to need to rely on him in round 13 with a couple of outs in origin for the bye. And that's the big thing, guys. Don't if you if you're playing overall and you want to play the buy, don't sell him because you're going to need him from round thirteen. The money that he's going to lose in the coming week or two, uh, he's going to make back the, the two weeks after that. So you can certainly keep him. Um, he can certainly be a keeper as well till the end of the year. He's averaging right around sixty points at the moment. That includes some lower scores at the start. I expect that to go up, but as a front row forward that's going to be fine as your second or third keeper rotation front row forward with dual capability as well. So I I wouldn't be selling him. I think that's pretty obvious from what I've said now. But I would say the last next two weeks he's going to go well because I think that he's going to be playing 60-plus minutes again against the Storm and against the Panthers. Whilst those matchups this week and next are great for the Cowboys, they're not bad for forwards like Tom Lolo who are going to be playing in the middle. Middle forwards can be match-up proof against those sides because they're going to be doing a fair bit of work. Tom Lolo himself steps up quite a, quite a bit against those better sides. So I expect him to be a pretty good player the next two weeks, to be honest, because I think that he's going to lead the way in the middle. So Lolo, keep him. Don't worry about the money that he's going to lose this week and the next week he's going to make that back up pretty quick and he's a really valuable round 13 option as well. Probably, you know, and I always like to give the pros and cons of, of anything, probably the negatives with it is it, it can be a bit of an issue with Peyton that if if the Cowboys don't have enough middle ground games that are competitive, then it could be an issue because if the Cowboys are flogging a team, he's going to sit off for minutes and if the Cowboys are getting flogged, he's going to sit off for minutes. So certainly, if Melbourne or Penrith managed to flog them early, then that could be an issue. Uh, but you'd have to think with how the Cowboys have been playing that they're not going to cop an absolute bath the first half. So he should go back on in the second half at least. So it should be okay. I'm banking on Tom Lolo to bounce back this week and next. So I'm definitely holding him. And he's just going to be too important for that buy round. So... I, th- I think that people should reconsider selling him. Now, for most traded in on Market Watch, we've got Ruben Cotter at number one. So this game features the most traded out player in Coates, but also the most traded in player in Ruben Cotter. And Ruben Cotter has had a meteoric rise the last three weeks where he's become very, very relevant. I apologize to Ruben Cotter lovers. 
last week that I didn't like him a month ago. Uh, he wasn't getting the minutes. His minutes have still stayed high. It is good to note, though, that on the weekend he only played the 63. Some of that might have been the same as what uh, was an issue for Tal Malolo, where he rested a little bit because it was a pretty big win for the Cows. He's certainly going to be relied upon the next couple of weeks, much like Tal Malolo playing in the middle. So 556,000, 20-odd break even. This is certainly the time to invest in Ruben Cotter. The caveat with this is, though, and it's been much conjecture, will he play Origin? Because if he plays Origin with how he's played the last few weeks, he's certainly in the picture, then you're not going to get him for that round 13 buy, and that was a lot of the appeal with him. So it's a bit of a tough call. Uh, When you go through the Origin team for last year, certainly you could make a case that there isn't any room for him. Um, certainly some people have brought up the fact that if he's used as a utility, that means Hunt would be out. That's not going to happen. There's no way he's used as a utility. But one of the things that Ruben Cotter has done the last few weeks is he started at prop. He's played 13 as well. He's shown that he can just be a middle forward. And certainly the type of game that we have in 2022 lends itself to a smaller mobile middle forward that can work. That could work fine for the Origin team. Cameron Smith, Billy Slater, uh, and that Origin coaching staff for Queensland have mentioned that he is a smoky to, to make it. He's certainly someone that they're looking at, but they've talked about him pretty glowingly. So this is the thing. When you're looking at it, is he more accepted by that coaching staff over someone like Jai Arrow? I'd have to think at the moment from what they've said that he is. Uh, and I think that on form, he's probably one of their best middle forward options just on current form. So I think it's a 50-50 myself. Uh, but if he's not going to be playing that round 13 by it becomes pretty difficult because he's got the Melbourne Storm and the Penrith Panthers the next two weeks, which whilst as a middle 40 should go well in, he probably won't jag any attacking stats. On the weekend against the Tigers, he scored 89 points. That included 54 base, but he also got a try there as well for his first try of the year. So you'd assume that that try is not going to happen again for the next couple of weeks at least. And then if he's out round 13... Then all of a sudden, you know, you could end up with a couple of 55-point scores against the Storm and the Panthers, and then against the Titans, he's actually going to be out for round 13. So there is a way that this could not work out too well. Um, on paper, in a vacuum, if you're a head-to-head player, and this is what we don't talk about enough, you know, for classic overall players, round 13 is really important, and you really have to take that into account with someone like Ruben Cotter. Because if he was playing round 13, it's a huge plus, and you'd definitely be looking at getting on him right now if you thought he wasn't going to play Origin. But if you don't care about round 13, then Origin doesn't really matter for those head-to-head players, and you can just invest in him as a value pick for for the rest of the year. So if he keeps playing even 60-plus minutes, but certainly if he's playing, you know, those 75- and 80-minute games, if he's playing 70-80, to he's going to be a keeper all year. Whether that's at hooker or at secondary forward, he's going to be, because his base is just too good. He's already averaging 64 for the year, but the last three rounds, his average is 77. The last five rounds, his average is 65. So he should do 65-plus for the rest of the year unless his minutes decrease significantly. So for head-to-head players, be getting him in right now. He's probably the best value second row forward or, or hooker pick to jump on right now to get into your teams for the year. For overall players... A little bit more of a think around whether you really need him for round 13, whether that's going to be important, and whether you actually think he's going to be picked in the Origin team, which I reckon is a 50-50. Let's go on to some other players in this one. So when we're having a look at sit and play, really hard with the Cowboys. You know, I'd certainly be playing guys like Cotter uh, and Tom Lolo, those middle forwards. I wouldn't be playing edge back rowers like Nanai, if you still own a Nanai. I, I would find it really hard if you own some pods like a Feld, 
or a, even a Tuolagi, who has been going really well lately, uh, to to be talking about starting those guys. It's just really tough. And someone like Tuolagi has a minus 11 break-even at the moment, gone a little bit under the radar. You could almost talk about him as a bit of a cash cow that's going to play around 13. But against the Storm, you know, it's, it's even hard just to even start him. So really difficult. And then that brings us on to Drinkwater. Now, he's got a 99 break-even, and people who bought him... Should have probably known, and we spoke about it on the podcast a few weeks ago. You know, if you're going to buy drink water, you're going to have a couple of really good games with potential for big scores. He didn't actually come through with that, really. Newcastle, he scored 74 points in round nine for Magic Round. He only scored 46 points against the Tigers. And the last two weeks, more worryingly, he's played 69 and 64 minutes. So the Hammer's still on the bench. He's probably going to stay on the bench. So all of a sudden, it looks like. He's not going to be getting 80 minutes. In fact, he's not even going to be getting 70-plus minutes. He's going to be getting minutes in the 60s. So that's a concern. It was always a risk there. Um, the other risk as well was he was going to have a 100-plus break-even, bottom out um, and top out at price, and start to lose money against the Storm and the Panthers. And that's going to happen. I wouldn't like to have him this week against the Storm. Uh, it's going to be a really tough matchup for him. And next week against the Panthers, it's going to be away at Penrith. It's going to be an even tougher matchup, I think, against them. So... It's a bad two weeks for drink water. Uh, if you've owned him for five or six weeks and you're head to head and you don't even care about the buy, then he could be a sell right now for you. Um, otherwise, you're just going to have to ride it out and think that, to yourself that you knew this when you bought him a couple of weeks ago that you're going to have some tough matchups and you're going to have to ride it out from round 13 because he's going to be a premium play still against the Titans. You would hope that round 13 and 14 against the Titans and Dragons, even if he plays smaller minutes, he's still going to come through and make that money back for you to resell him for the round 17 buy. That round 13 by to round 16, he's got the Titans, the Dragons, Manly, and the Broncos. And it has to be said, that Titans game that's coming up pretty soon, he scored 102 points against them when he played them in round 7. So that's going to be really valuable if you can jag 100-plus against the Titans in the round 13 by. Got to hold him. It's going to be a bad week to be playing him, though. When we're looking at break-evens, another guy that's been named for the Storm to start is Wishard. He's starting at number one. Uh, he started there late last week. Only scored 29 points. The week before, he played 69 minutes, and he scored 61 points without a try, which is pretty impressive. His base raw was 27 on both accounts. Um, so his floor seems okay. He's only 216,000 at the moment. He's got a minus 20 break even. He's someone that isn't being traded in a hell of a lot at the moment. He's not going to play the round 13 buy. He is someone that, should play in the next couple of weeks, depending on what happens with Pappenhausen and Origin uh, and his injury as well. Maybe he plays another game. He should get a couple of weeks. I don't think it's worth the trading myself, though, but he is really cheap. And one of the things with him is that he's a hooker too. So with Cotter that we were talking about, one of the great trades that you can do at the moment is it's only going to cost you about 100000 to go a Randall straight to a, straight to a Cotter, and that's going to be fantastic for you. You can also use that... Wishard trade to free up cash as long as you know that you're going to be getting rid of Tyron Wishard in the near future. Although he might make another appearance in round 17 when the Origin players are out right. So maybe he ends up being more valuable where he might, you know, round 15 and 16 might not even play at all. And then round 17 he makes an appearance for a buy number. So there is a little bit of appeal there. If you do need to free up cash, I think there's pretty big appeal to go a Randall down to a Wishard because you're going to make... $230,000 out of that to free up cash to spend that money elsewhere for an upgrade, which is going to be valuable. You're going to get Wishard potentially scoring well the next couple of weeks, uh, although I don't know if I'd be playing him, but 
in the end, it's going to be a long game where round 17, you, you could get him playing, and I think that's going to be pretty likely. And then he's going to make a bit of cash there, and he's going to give you points in that round 17 buy. And he's going to be a great post-17 trade-out where you should be able to make at least 100000 out of it and get round 17 buy points. But the time to get him is now, though, with his minus 20 BE, and that's what's going to be difficult for people because there is some other cheapies on the horizon too, and you've got to be careful because you don't want to stack up on too many cheapies as well. Another hooker option, just quickly to mention as well, is going to be not a downgrade like Wishard could be, but only $70,000 odd, more than what Randall is, and that's Robson. Robson has gone phenomenal the last five weeks of footy. Four out of those five games, he's played 80 minutes, and those stats have been impressive. He got a season high last week of 83 points without a try. He's basically been going mid-50s while he's been starting and getting his 80 minutes, and that's been in raw base, so he's got a really good floor. 516,000, it's pretty difficult. Um, he does have a lowish break-even, so it's kind of buy him now if you're interested. I do think that he's got some potential for longer term. Uh, he's going to play that round 13 buy, which is going to be great against the Titans. He's also got a really good run after that, which I don't think people are looking at enough with the Cowboys. So, I mean, if you have a look at where they're going to go the next two weeks, it looks really bad, right? Because they've got the Storm and they've got the Panthers. They're not great matchups for him. But then he has the Titans, the Dragons, the Seagulls, and the Broncos, and then the buy. And even if you wanted to hold him past the round 17 buy, Sharks, Tigers, Dragons, Bulldogs for a month of footy after round 17. So long term, the Cowboys actually have some really good appeal for a run between round 13 and round 21, where they go really, really well with hitting some of the bottom teams and some of the teams that can give up a lot of super coach points. So if you want to look at long term, someone like Robson actually could work out. He hasn't scored a try yet. He's going to score some tries in his back half, and it's going to be on this run of footy. But I just think that his price cancels him out. He's just not quite enough value for me at 516000 uh, Wouldn't surprise me, though, if he goes on a bit of a tan the next two months of footy. He averages sort of 65 points, and that's going to probably net him in 120 to 150K that you can trade out and play him as a reserve sometimes as well on matchups to maybe hit a 70 or 80-point game. So I, I don't mind him. I, I really like him in draft. If you can trade for him in draft at the moment, that's going to be a really good move. A little bit too out there for me to jump on in Classic, though, but worth mentioning with his performances at the moment. When we're talking about captaincy and vice-captaincy options on this one, I think that you've got to look at guys like Grant and Munster. The problem normally with Grant is he's more of a captaincy option because he tends to go that 90 to 100, but last last two weeks he's gone really well, but two weeks ago, Dragons game, 138 points. Whether you believe that that means that he does have the ceiling in him this year or not, um, it, it's going to be debatable. The interesting thing for Grant is going to be um, he's he's playing he's got Brandon Smith at thirteen. There's no chance that he's going to get rested if they end up up a bit. You wouldn't think, um, and I do think that against the Cowboys he matches up really well. So this could be one of his hundred plus games. Munster probably has more propensity to go larger. He's got three scores that are 110 plus so far this year. Uh, I'd probably be more comfortable if you're going to do a VC in this game. That's what I would go for because it, maybe you give some respect to the Cowboys for the defense they've had and the fact that Pappenhausen is still going to be out for them. They're a little bit weaker, and Naz is out for them now too. So I think a VC on a, on a Munster or a Grant, uh, you could definitely do that. We only have high scores the last couple of weeks of not that big. Last week was 113 was the best score. So certainly if you manage to get 120-plus huh, this week in a harder captaincy week, that might be enough for you to loop if you've got a good enough squad. So that's what I'd kind of look at. Top sport, bet of the week. 
The Storm, I think, are going to win. $1.50 on top of sport. Fantastic odds. Minus 5.5 is a fantastic line. I'm all over that one at $1.85 for them. Let's move on to the next game. Uh, so the next one, we've got the Roosters and the Panthers. Bit of a blockbuster. Two teams that are in form. Panthers got a really good win against the Storm last week. And likewise, Roosters did really well to beat the Eels. And the last few weeks, have looked like they might be back in form, the Roosters. So this could be the time for them to, to step up and go on their run. Team news for this one. So at the moment, for the Panthers, we've got no changes. For the Roosters, pretty big change for them with Victor Radley out. Nat Butcher is starting at lock. And Lindsay Collins returns from suspension. So Butcher is going to be an interesting one to have a look at. But let's hit on market watch first of all for this one. Joseph Manu, third most trading player at the moment. I'm really torn on this one because obviously round 13, Tedesco is going to be playing Origin. Uh, and most of the time when that happens, you've got Joseph Manu playing at fullback. Um, and that's great for him. His, his points are... 100-plus a lot of the time in these type of buy periods when he's starting at number one. He's now gone down to just over 600,000. He's got to be in the 40s, so it does look like the time to buy. He's going up against the Panthers, though, this week, which isn't a good matchup for him. Historically, he has not scored well against the Panthers either. He's got a 43 average against them. And depending on how much stock you want to put in those numbers, that's his third worst average in the NRL oppositions for Supercoach. So, look... I think it could be hard for him. He might end up with a really disappointing score. They haven't played the Panthers this year yet, but he does have scores like 29 against Manly in round two. Uh, and then he's got other ones where he plays a really you know poor side, uh, like the Warriors in round six, 27 points, and, and the Bulldogs in round eight, 27 points. So he can be a bit hard to pick. Last week against Parramatta, he threw up 91 points. So... Certainly, if you think you're going to get the, the Manu from last week and he's going to step up for a big game against the Panthers, he does look like a pretty good buy because he does look like someone that you want for that buy game in round 13 against the Raiders. It's just a bit of an expectation one, guys, where I think that you need to understand that you could be paying 600000 for him and he does have the ability to go a 30-point score for you and it's going to be disappointing. The Sharks a week after, he's playing away at Points Bet Stadium and... That one's pretty hard too because the Sharks have pretty good defense as well, ranked top three in the NRL at the moment too. So, yeah, hard two weeks. Manu is the type of guy that can step up with a bit of brilliance against these harder teams. Uh, but the Roosters draw in general, you know, is pretty tough at the moment and certainly doesn't open up again until after that round 17 bye. So Teddy could get rested a bit more. We don't know. It depends on how the Roosters are traveling. If that happens, Manu might get more fullback jobs. Look, I don't think it's a bad training at all. I would just be you know, very aware of what other options you have and very aware of the downside that, that Joseph Manu can present you. Kickout is another popular trade-in at the moment, this time for the Panthers. Uh, look, he's top six most trade-in at the moment, and I have to admit that I've had a look at him as well. Um, one, of the, one of the bad things with him is normally around this time at the buy period looming, he, he can get pretty cheap. He got 375k last year when I grabbed him for this buy run. Didn't end up paying off for me either, by the way. But this time around, he's 600000 He has had a much more consistent year. He's had a career-best super coach season, 67 points a game. Way better than the 59 he scored last year. Way better than his best seasons ever of 61 points a game. So, look, he's like 10% up on his best. Why is that happening? Well, he's playing 80 minutes again. So, at the moment, he looks like an 80-minute player. He's now scored 84 and 80 points the last two weeks for 280-pluses. The 84 against the Storm with a try was stellar. He's actually got 
a five-round average of 69 and a three-round average of 77. It's very unkick our like that he's gone a month of footy with nothing below a 66. When you look before that month, he had a 37 and a 40 against the Dogs and the Broncos. So that probably tells you how hard it is to pick Billy Kickass big games. It also tells you what the floor needs to be for him. He now has three games out of his uh, 10 that are sub 40. Now, 30% of the time going sub 40 sounds pretty bad for a back rower. It's actually better than what it has been in the past for Kikau, and that's one of the pluses with him. He doesn't seem to have a propensity for the low scores that he used to. Uh, 600,000, BE of 29, going to play around 13 against the Bulldogs. This might be the time to jump on. I certainly think he's a consideration. Uh, again, I'm going to talk about head-to-head players. I don't think he's a great consideration if you're not going to play that buy because he has the Bulldogs there. But what I would say is from round 13 onwards... He's actually got a pretty nice three-week run where he's got the Bulldogs round 13, the Knights round 14, and the Warriors round 15. All of a sudden, the Panthers have a pretty good um, looming draw coming up. Roosters this week, Cowboys, Bulldogs, Knights, Warriors, and then you probably sell for that round uh, 17 buy, or if you're a head-to-head only, you might hold through, or even if you're not, maybe you'll hold through and just keep him as one of your rotation guys for matchups. So... Not a lot of great standout options in second row forward at the moment. A lot of people are still looking at selling Cameron Murray, who they didn't sell last week. I do think he's an option, guys. Um, he, you just have to be aware of that that bad score that he's got in him. I'm actually going to look at buying him, though. Uh, maybe not this week, maybe next week, because I do think that the, the run the Panthers have means that the last four-week run where he's averaged close to 80 points, um, he could do that again after this week. Uh, and, and go another month run of Cowboys, Bulldogs, Knights, Warriors and, and sort of average that type of score. So I really don't mind him at the moment. Um, certainly for round 13, I want to end up buying him. He looks like that he's not going to be much cheaper than 600000 so you might have to pay up. I will say that the Roosters actually have uh, their right second row of defence is the best in the NRL for Supercoach points. They concede the least and that's what Kikau is going to be up against. So on numbers so far this season, it's actually the worst matchup for him. But he has had some big games against the Roosters before. Uh, funnily enough, Kikau has only scored tons against five teams in the NRL as his max scores. One of those teams is the Roosters, who he has his third best ever score against of 111 points. So you know, take that with what you will. The Roosters are defending quite well there, though, at the moment. Looking at break-evens and value picks. Now, I don't... A lot of people are getting Suali in this week. He's top 10 most traded in. He's close to four... He's around 450k. He's still got a minus 31 break-even. So, yeah, you're going to make some money. But, look, I don't actually love playing him this week. I think some astute coaches might bench him this week, and that might be a good option. So, I'm not heaps into it. But two that I find a little bit more intriguing. Sam Walker has a 21 break-even. He's sub 500,000. He's pretty cheap. You could go an Ilias to him pretty easily, uh, and it's a decent trade. That's more of a long-term trade. Um, he does have the dual capability, halfback 5'8 as well. I think that's pretty appealing. He's been scoring quite well. Um, I think that the issue with Sam Walker is a draw. He ended up playing really well last week. Uh, I, I thought he was pretty outstanding, to be honest. He had a really good um, chip and chase, and he did 69 points against, the Pan- uh, against Parramatta. 66 a week before. He's got that 9 in round 8 that a lot of people are going to remember. But if you forget about that, um, since round 5, he's actually gone 87, 81, 52, 66, and 69 with the 9 in the middle. That's really good scoring for someone that you can get for about 485,000. 
He's going to make some cash as well at the moment. He'll probably lose that with another lower score. Panthers is terrible for him. But, you know, Sharks, Raiders, going to play the bye. The issue is the Roosters draw. Now, if you're looking at someone long-term and you want someone for the bye, I think that Walker could be an option going Ilias to Walker. Uh, if you're looking for shorter-term gain or to sell someone out a bit later, uh, I don't think the Walker's going to be an option for you because he's just not got the draw uh, up, to, up to the round 17 bye that he's got off. It's just too many hard games for him for me to probably take that punt. But another guy who would be someone who fits that bill is going to be Nat Puchu, who's now the starting 13. He is going to have Radley's job for possibly six weeks. He's going to make 100 grand plus over that over that period. We've already seen him do it. He got to 536,000 um, by uh, round four or five, and that was because he was starting on an edge. He's probably going to be more looking like 58 to 60 minutes at Jersey 13. That's probably going to equate to around 55 points a game. Nothing outstanding, uh, but a 370,000 price point and someone who's going to cover the round 13 by, he's going to tick those boxes. So if you wanted some cover and you were looking for a second row forward and you couldn't spend on someone like Kikiao, who's almost double the price, Nat Butch is a cut price option. VC and C options in this one, pretty tough. I mean, Cleary went well in a matchup that people thought was going to be tough last week. He scored 85 points. Uh, Teddy went solid with a 64 can either of these guys be a VC or C option? I like how both these sides are playing. I, I don't think that you can go past a Nathan Cleary VC. Um, he's still always got that ability to go massive against anyone. He's already got two scores of 150 plus out of the seven games that he's actually played. That's a pretty good strike rate. Teddy is a massive pod VC. I just don't see him putting on 120 plus against the Panthers, even though I think he can still score well and he's in good form. So that's sort of the way I would lean. On topsport.com.au, bet of the week for this one. Roosters are 380. That's pretty big. You can give the Roosters a plus 13.5 start and still get a $1.77 odds. Uh, and I like that. I think they're going to be competitive. Panthers might get the chocolates, but I think the Roosters are going to be right in there. Second last game of the round, Rabbits versus the Raiders. This one doesn't have as many uh, interesting options, uh, particularly on the Raiders side of things. Elias is the 10th most traded player out. He's only got a 23 BE, so you can certainly keep holding him. I know I've said that quite a bit. He's, he keeps only scoring in the 20s and 30s, and it's really disappointing, but he's still burning away, making a little bit of cash. If you can get a clear upgrade, though, or you can prepare yourself for round 13 by trading him, makes total sense. So I'm certainly not going to talk anyone out of it. But Marker watch in. Um, everyone's going early on Peoples. Peoples has become a very quick cult hero after he came into the side and wasn't really cleared by the NRL to do so and played one game and absolutely blitzed it for Supercoach. 68 points in 63 minutes. Obviously, Cameron Murray is currently out, so he's going to have some job security for a few weeks. 175000 bottom dollar second row forward. Now, it's a really good matchup against the Warriors as well. He could score exceptional against them. If you buy him this week at 175000 it's one of those unique opportunities where you have someone with a low BE who you can actually start at a minimum price. And I would start him this week if you bought him against the Warriors. The caveat's going to be his name to start this week against the Warriors, but he's not going to get a price rise. So it's going to be after next week against the Raiders that he gets his first price rise. And then against the Tigers in round 12, he's going to get his second one. You would hope that Murray's going to be out for those weeks and then he's going to have some great matchups and he should make some really good money. Uh, obviously the caveat is always going to be though, what if he gets hurt this week, then you get nothing out of it. You know, he's not going to make any money. You can't even trade him out. He's not going to play the round 13 buy. Uh, there's a few things that could happen. So there's a little bit of risk with doing him this week, but certainly if you had to do a downgrade and make complete sense, 
understandable why he's one of the most traded in players at the moment at number five on Market Watch. Wolfred has snuck in to the top 10 most traded in. He's got a minus 37 BE, but that's only off one game. Uh, and I kind of think that he's getting a bit trappish, Wolford. Um, I, I definitely wouldn't be trading him in at the moment. I'd be looking at other options in your trades uh, or other options for Randall if you need to hook a trade. I just don't think that Zach Wolford warrants a trade in based on what we saw of one game. He scored 63 points, but he only played 37 minutes and Starling is there. I think it's being overlooked what his minutes were because people are looking at his 63 points. He's got to go through South next, uh, and that's this week where he is named to start. Uh, but if he plays 37 minutes against them, he's very likely to score 30-odd points. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, his first price rise, he's not going to have the best BE in the world going up against Parramatta. So I don't love buying him now. Um, even for his next price rise, he's going to be a watch because it could be pretty trappish. And I really don't like it at the minutes that he's playing in his job security. I would actually pass on Zach Wolford at the moment. Someone that I find immensely more interesting that isn't in market watch but does have a low BE, is Tarn Milne from the South Sydney Rabbitohs. He has a minus 45 break-even at the moment, and he is barely owned by anyone. I actually looked at him last week and ended up getting Katoa in as a last-minute trade-in to get my 17 right. And he's now got 104 and 93 the last two weeks. Now, he does have the lower scores in him. There's a lot of 17s, 20s, 30, three very low scores, 30 or less. Um, he averages 54 for the year at the moment, though. But he's going to cost you 473000 So the problem with Milne is that he's gone up about 100 k in the last two weeks. So, oh, not quite 100 k sorry, I lie. He's gone up about 60 k in the last couple of weeks. So you've already missed out on the really good rises. But at minus 45 BE, coming against the Raiders and the Tigers in the next two weeks, low-key, no one's going to look at him very much. But he, he could be one of the best uh, money makers over the next fortnight. And he could also be one of the great center-wing pods that you could start. So... I don't mind going him. Uh, Raiders and Tigers the next two weeks are good matchups. Both of them are at home for Souths. So I think that he could definitely go over the line the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, he scored two tries the last two weeks for his 93 and 104. That might be tough to do, but he's also had a raw base average of 31.5 points the last two weeks too. And he's got a raw base normally of around 30 anyway. So even when he scores run one try, you know, he scored one try in round five against the Dragon, then he got to 80 points. If he can have a couple of weeks averaging 70 points um, at a minimum, that's going to be pretty good. And it's going to get you 100 to 150k, 1,000. If you're not playing the buy in round 13, he's still going to probably have a negative break even, potentially depending on how it goes for round 14 against the, the Titans. And then also for round 15 against the Dragons, he's going to have a decent break even where he's got a potential to go another 80-plus score there before you sell him uh, or keep him for that round 17 buy if you're playing overall and you want to hit the buys hard. So he might be a bit of a longer-term investment, but he is scoring a lot of tries lately for Souths, and he is actually looking really good. So 473000 not the best price point, minus 45 BE, though. You know, now's the time to have a look at a pod like this if you want to go on a bit of a run. When we're looking at some other guys uh, sit and play, Blake Taff is getting traded out by a few people. I actually traded him last week, and I really didn't want to. He's now averaging 61 over the last three weeks of footy. Uh, played well last week for another 60 score. And I actually think he's a good play this week against the Raiders. Uh, got a lower break even again now, so I wouldn't be selling him at all. Uh, and I'd actually be playing him this week. Cody Walker, vice-captain, captaincy option. Uh, look, I don't think he can go the captaincy. I was almost going to do the vice-captaincy on him last week. He had a great first half, did nothing in the second half. But 86 points last week. Um, he's still got a five-round average of 71 and a three-round average of 77. 
So he's actually done really well the last month. And I think the last month of footy, we can pretty much say that Cody Walker's back. He's got two tries. He had three tries this last week against the Warriors. I think he's back to form. So next two weeks against the Raiders and Tigers are going to be really juicy. He still looks like an okay buy if you're a head-to-head player and don't care about that round 13 uh, buy round. But vice-captaincy option, he uh, hasn't hit the ton yet this year. Not officially. He's got a 99 score against Manly. I reckon he's got to hit 100-plus the next two weeks. So whether it's this week against the Raiders or next week against the Tigers, uh, VC options are there for him. Couldn't couldn't see him, uh, but certainly VC options there for him. Top spot better of the week on this one. South's $1.57. Um, I like that one. I know it's not great odds, but you could also look at some better odds at around $2 for a Milne try. And certainly uh, uh, <laughs> Alex Johnston, almost certain try uh, at $1.78 is a pretty good value one too. Look at the last game. Titans versus Sharkies. Now, team news-wise, the big thing is that for the Sharks, we've got Finucane out. Um, that's going to open up some middle minutes, which is going to be really good. Along with that... Um, no changes to the Titans 17. So, yeah, it's Wade Graham starting um, and, and Teague Wilton's on the bench. That's probably another one because some people have held Wilton. Lachlan Miller's also going to debut for the Sharkies too at number one with uh, Hines moving back to seven, which is really good for Hines because he didn't quite get his hands on the ball as much as what we thought he would at fullback last week. Hines was definitely a mistake last week on the captaincy. I thought we were going to see more Melbourne fullback Hines. Uh, we didn't, uh, so didn't work out well for me either. He didn't get enough runs, uh, but the Sharks in general, I think, were just really poor last week. So this is a really good bounce-back game for the Sharks. I think they're really going to fire against the Titans because last week they were exceptionally poor, and the Titans really aren't showing much of anything at the moment still, despite the win last week against the Dragons. It wasn't a great win. Um, the Sharks had a really, really bad game, the worst they've looked all year, but they're a good team, so I expect them to really bounce back. So... I certainly do like looking at some of these Sharks players. When we're looking at market watch, Talakai's the third most traded-out player. Now, I feel kind of silly because the last two weeks I've said, you know, I really like the matchups for Talakai, um, and I really did. I thought that he was going to score well the last two weeks, and he's gone 34 and 50. He's now got a three-round average of 40, and that's against the Broncos, the Warriors, and the Raiders. So that is really, really poor. It's the worst three-round average that he's actually had all season. Pretty hard to ignore that. So I understand he's got a BE of 130 plus. He's 672,000 still. You can still get really good value selling him. After this week, you can pop him in your in your center wing. It can't be can't be stated enough how valuable that's going to be coming up in the long term. Titans this week, Roosters buy. Then he hits the Warriors, the Titans, and the Bulldogs before a round 17 game against the Storm, which is valuable buy cover in your center wing and a very heavily reduced Melbourne Storm outfit that he's going to be up against as well. So look, I still see the long-term value there. I'm still going to stick solid that I want Talakai in my team for the long term. I don't want to waste trades getting him out and back in again into my centre wing, and I'm going to hold strong, and I'm still going to make the call that this week against the Titans we're going to get his bounce-back game because it has to be coming against the Gold Coast Titans. They can give up a lot of super coach points, and I reckon that they're going to be giving them up to Talakai. I, I can see a bit of a vintage Talakai game this week, so I really like it. With some of the other uh, trade-ins and trade-outs, there isn't a huge amount of market watch between these two teams, but a couple others of interest. Um, we mentioned that Finucane is out. That's going to open up potentially six weeks of extra minutes. Um, maybe McInnes gets them, or maybe Hunt gets them. With McInnes, it, it's... 
a few more people are keener on McInnes than I am. I guess the thing with him is that he's not going to play around 13, but we'll just ignore that from the moment. Around 500,000, uh, three-round average of 62. He kind of seems to be back where his minutes have been 72, 64, and 59. Maybe you'd expect his minutes to be consistently sort of 62 to 65 range with Finucane out, I think. And for that, you should get 60-plus points pretty easily. So do you want to pay 500k for... 62 to 64 points a game. I think that's kind of what you need to ask yourself. He should be rock solid. Um, whether he can actually jag any attacking stats, you know, they do have a good draw coming up. So if you don't care about that buy, he might be a consideration. I prefer to watch him a little bit more. And really, I think that the reality is that he doesn't excite me with the lack of ceiling that he has. So I'm probably going to leave him. Uh, Royce Hunt, it's a little bit disappointing with him that he's not going to be able to really fully get the benefit of Finucane out because he's 300,000 already. 300,000, you know, if he was 200,000, could be good because he's got a minus 15 BE. Went across the line for a line break try last week in only 29 minutes. So that 65 score that he got last week is going to be in his rolling average. I expect him to be playing more than uh, his 25 minutes a game than his average issue. So I think that he's going to be more like 35 to 40 minutes a game. And that should equate to him averaging instead of 37 points a game that he's you know priced at probably 45 points a game probably it's not going to be enough um for for you to probably have a look at him but at the same time if he was cheaper you know he definitely warrant it maybe you get lucky maybe they really invest extra minutes in him uh and he goes even better but i think at the moment the beneficiaries are going to be split for Fanukin being out across McGuinness and across Hunt. It's probably not going to be quite enough for either of them to, to jump on to be massive, massive players to get into your side. A guy that could be a massive player, though, and this is our pot option for this last game. I mentioned I got Katoa in last week. Uh, only Katoa for the Sharks has bottomed out in price now pretty much. He's got a 48 PE and he's only 490000 that's the cheapest that he's been all year. Um, he's not going to play round 13, which sucks, but he will give you cover in round 17, and he does have this stellar run of the Sharks um, up through round 17. 490,000, scored 56 and 54 the last two weeks. Uh, he has 56 average for the season, but he should be able to get some tries. If you have a look at what he did between round 2 and round 5, when he was playing worse opposition for the most part, he scored at least a try in each one of those games with one double. His double was 98 points. His three single try games were 71, 78, and 80. He could feasibly score 70-plus average between now and that round 17 by where he hits a storm, but he could still score well against that uh, storm outfit without their origin stars. So for sub-500, absolute pod, you know, he's only going to be a couple of percent owned pretty much for that whole run. Hardly anyone will jump on him. I really quite like Sione Katoa as a bit of a value pod play. With these pods that we do bring up on the podcast, so guys and girls, it's really important for me to mention one of the most important aspects of podding is that you don't do too many, okay? It, I'm going to say Sione Katoa is a really good pod. I like him as a pod play. Probably my best pod purchase for this week. But if you've already got like three or four pods, don't, don't get him because you can't do that, okay? And I say that knowing what the team of the round looked like last round. I looked at the team of the round last round, and no disrespect, but like 90% of it was pods. Yeah, and that's great, you know, to jag a, a weekly prize, uh, but they were ranked 100,000 or something. Um, they, you're not going to do anything week to week getting that many pods in. So 
Certainly don't get Katoa as a pod if you've already got a whole heap of other ones in your 17. If you've only got one one or two pods or you're looking at looking at a pod, I think that he's a really good play for this week and his price point and with the draw coming up. Captaincy advice, captaincy options. Nico let us down. He didn't get the score that we wanted last week. Um, but having said that, 50 points wasn't the worst considering how bad the Sharks were against the Raiders. And, and that's a good thing about him as captain, right? He, his floor is really good. He generally is going to give you a, a half-decent score. He's not going to score a 10 or anything. Um, against the Titans, look, against sides like the Tigers, he threw up 117. Uh, against the Warriors, 185. Against the Dragons, 124. I've said on this podcast before, Nico Hines is the type of guy that absolutely puts it on bad teams. And we saw that at the Storm as well. His points per minute against bad teams is really good. Um, I really like him to go ballistic against the Titans this week. It is the last last game of the round as well, so it works out pretty well for your VC options to be open up for the rest of the round. I'm, I'm going to stick solid with him. I reckon he's looking at 100-plus versus the Titans this week. I think we're going to get a bounce-back game, and I think that he's going to... Not quite too similar to what he did two weeks ago against the Warriors, because 185 is pretty hard to match. Uh, but I think it's going to be that type of game where at the end of the round he saves a lot of coaches. So I cannot possibly get off him despite last week's performance. Top sort better the week for this one. As you could probably guess, I'm all over the Sharkies. They're about a dollar forty-four minus six and a half point line. I'm taking that line all day at $1.85 on top sport. Can't believe how good that is. Oh, I'm expecting a really good Sharks bounce back, even with Fanukin out. That concludes the podcast for this week, guys. Uh, solo podcast I won't do too often, but I like to throw them in every now and then, especially when schedules don't let me get guests in that I want to get. I do have a great talk and footy podcast. It's a two-parter this week that will drop on Friday in two parts. Luke Garrett is going to come on. Night's Tragic and fan favourite of the All-Stars podcast, so make sure you tune into that one. But if you are tuning into the podcast, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, as well as Audible, and everywhere that good podcasts are found. You can also jump on the sponsor that I mentioned just before, TopSport, topsport.com.au, fantastic sponsor of the NRL All-Stars podcast, and you can use promo code SCALLSTARS, all one word, to get to make sure that they know that you're one of the listeners, first of all, and then you can get taken really good care of as one of our listeners. So good luck with the trades and everything this week, guys. Look forward to chatting footy at the end of the week, but if you're not into that, on Tuesday, we'll have another brand new TLT record for Supercoach, and we'll get that up on Wednesday. Good luck with the round. It's post-Magic round, almost the buy. Make sure you're looking ahead to that buy as of this week with your purchases. Can't wait for the footy. Can't wait to chat to you all again real soon. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid.